Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com here in London at the Kia Oval Cricket. Derek. Well, as a South African, uh, this is fantastic to see. Just amazing place. Well, it's great to have you back on the show and to meet you in person. We're coming up to COP9. What should our viewers know? I think they should know that um, COP9 should be a, a chance for real progress, for addressing uh, the questions of how you end smoking rapidly, how you get greater ambition, how you apply better science, how you apply better technology, how you take account of the last few years where we've seen the FDA authorize a range of reduced risk products from SNOS to ICOS to VUs. 100 million users around the world are now passionately moving out of combustibles into uh, less toxic and dangerous products. That they should be capitalizing on. Instead, unfortunately, they're almost going in the opposite direction, looking at how you can prohibit, ban, restrict access to the very products that are going to save lives the fastest. Now, there was uh, some controversy, and still is, in terms of some decisions that they made with regards to this specific COP, who's allowed to show up, what kind of evidence there is allowed to be submitted. You know, what is that? I think it reflects um, some of the activities going back for the last uh, several COPs that that's been characterized being among the most the least transparent uh, UN processes. Compare this, say, to COP26 uh, happening in the UK, where uh, the media is encouraged and excited to participate. The private sector is brought in as a major player. The debates, the discussion are encouraged to be vigorous and strong so that you get to solutions for everybody's interest. And those who are going to be most affected, particularly young people, are very much part of the debate. Well, it's not the first COP where, in fact, the, the gates of debate have been closed where the media are highly restricted, where a lot of behind closed doors discussions happened, and where the documents even um, before the people are not there for discussion. They're there simply for noting, and maybe they'll be discussed at some future point. That isn't the way you have deliberations at the point when you have millions of people dying every year and you could be making a difference. So it seems that the decision has already been made, and that's to stamp out safer nicotine products. I think the decision has been made to put as strong a break on any progress by, the, by countries as possible. And um, whether this leads to some low middle income countries going the India route of actually prohibiting and banning things like e-cigarettes uh, isn't clear. But it certainly will not encourage people to say, we have in the tools and the armamentarium stuff we didn't have a few years before, let's move on it. That is definitely going to be the message that will not be heard at, at COP9. For the non-smoker, somebody who doesn't smoke, doesn't really have anybody in their family that smokes or is a, a user of tobacco, why should they care about what FTC does? And isn't it a good idea that they're playing tough with the tobacco industries and trying to you know, beat back big tobacco? Well, I would argue there are very few people who don't have in their family or in their circle of friends somebody who smokes, somebody who's going to die young, somebody who's going to suffer with lung cancer, heart disease, and so on. Remember, there are over a billion users of tobacco products in the world still today, one billion. And that means that if they have any sense of compassion or care or concern, they should be doing something about it. Um, when we thought, think back to the HIV AIDS day, there was never the argument that if I don't have AIDS, I shouldn't be involved because there was a sense that the public good benefits when everybody's healthier. A healthier society means a better society for everyone. And the same goes true with tobacco. The economic costs of health and health care, the suffering, the productivity, in the end come back to affect everybody. So they should care. You know, often we hear about the concept of regulatory capture. Yeah. And in that context, it's always 
companies, big industry that's capturing the regulator. Are we not witnessing a different kind of regulatory capture happening, say with the Bloombergs and the nonprofit groups capturing the regulator? I think you're right. I think that um, some of the leading philanthropies led by Bloomberg, uh, who fund the vast majority of the opposition to tobacco harm reduction in the NGO world, but also inside the World Health Organization itself, uh, really have a very simple approach. Ban prohibit is better than doing the sensible thing, which is to make the healthier choice the easier choice, which means regulating according to the underlying risk of the product, something we accept for just about every other area of health and environment, but that is not on the agenda. Let's say it was last week and now it's this week. What can you say today that you might not have been able to say over the last couple of years? I think the only thing I would say uh, is that we, we all need to be much more honest about the science. Um, we need to stop pretending that an FDA decision is just another decision. It isn't. It represents the most powerful regulatory science body in the world. When they authorize something that is appropriate for the protection of public health, it means every regulatory body around the world should take note. And the second thing I'd say is that the simplistic approach to say they are good companies, uh, all, all the tobacco companies are bad and should be put in one corner, has got to be th rethought. I think there are companies who are significantly trying to bring about change. And if you are getting 40% of your revenue from reduced risk products, or 30%, or even 12%, which is what Swedish Matt, PMI, and BAT are doing, they should be encouraged and pushed to do more. When you've got companies like Smur and Relax and Juul, who actually have no tobacco interests moving very fast into this field, they should be encouraged, like we do with Tesla. Um, and it seems a paradox to me that we're witnessing dramatic changes in people accepting the need to get rid of the internal combustion engine. And we praise Tesla as we much General Motors and Ford. Why then do we don't we praise Smur and Relax as much as we need to praise PMI, BAT and Swedish, uh, Swedish Match? Sometimes the people who profess progress are the most anti-progress. Exactly. And I fear that's what we're seeing. Yeah, exactly. Great. And last thing, today here, what's your message? My message is the continued need for urgency, the, nothing new, continued need to focus on the science and, and be optimistic. Uh, yes, uh, this is not going to be a great COP, it's going to be hopefully a holding operation, could have been worse. I mean, it could have been bans and prohibitions going to resolutions. Thankfully it isn't. Double down on the science, double down on the user voice, get the user voice out. Remember that HIV AIDS policy moved when people with HIV AIDS stood up and said, it's our needs that are actually at stake. I'm hoping that the community of people who use tobacco products will be more organized, more vocal, and more able to enunciate the fact that these products will save their lives and the lives of many to come. Let me just ask you about Canada. What are your thoughts on what's going on there? I wish I could give you more detail. I don't know. All I can say is historically, people never forget that Canada was one of the very leaders in tobacco control. And I would argue without Canada's support, there would be no framework convention. They hosted the very first meetings uh, that preceded the framework convention. And it was actually um, uh, during the uh, way on between in 1998, 1999, well before the countries officially convened. So I would hope that whatever Canada is doing, it would actually look carefully to its friend across the ocean, uh, the UK, and get aligned with what they're doing through the NHS, through the Royal College of Physicians and so on. Excellent. You're excited about the FDA's decision in a way, aren't you? Very excited. It's not perfect and there are many who are going to say there's a lot being taken off the table. They've got to, you know, hopefully they won't wipe out all flavors. But the fact that they have judged the science, 
and they have come up with a conclusion that this is appropriate for the protection of public health means they've made this critical balance between the need always to protect children but the need to help adults who need to quit and switch make that an easy path.